Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the HAN Show, we bring the haunt industry to you every weekday. We have news, education, and on-location coverage from Halloween experiences around the world. Whether you're a professional or enthusiast, each episode helps you better prepare for Halloween. Outside of this podcast, we have videos, education, and even events. Links to everything we do are in the show notes. On Mondays, we break down large trends from the news and discuss why it matters to you in our weekly Green Tagged series, co-hosted by Scott Swenson and myself. And check back tomorrow for our weekly haunt news roundup. Okay, here's this week's installment of Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. From our studios in Los Angeles and Abu Dhabi, this is Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. I'm Philip. He's Scott, and today we're going to go over Q4 earnings from SeaWorld and Six Flags. It's my favorite time of year. (laughs) My favorite time of year. Oh, gosh. So we'll start off with SeaWorld because I think it's going to be a little bit shorter of a discussion, maybe. (laughs) Uh, I'll read here from from the excerpt from it, and then we'll kind of do a takeaway section. So SeaWorld Entertainment posted a 5.3% percent year-over-year increase in revenue during the fourth quarter, while its attendance numbers went down by 16,000 due to weather-related impacts. The company also reported total revenue of $1.73 billion and 15.1% increase in net income in 2022. The increase in revenue was driven by admission and visitors spending more inside the park. In-park per capita spending went up by 7.2%. International visitors have not returned, but SeaWorld expects that it will bounce back and surpass the pre-COVID levels. And staffing, (laughs) can't forget about staffing. The company increased staffing last year, but it's still at suboptimal levels, said the executives during the call. Uh, So TLDR, revenue and profit are up. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Where does it say staffing is also down? Where does it say profits are up? Profits are up. Because in everything that you just said, it says revenue, increase in net income. Right. The the net income is, is is the profit section. That's the net income because the the revenue it's it's the differentiator between total revenue and the net income is net income is minus profit. So it'll also see the per capita spending section right there. But so, per cap spending does not mean profit. Yes. I just want to clarify these things because when we re- when we go through these things, um, I, I that is very that's very accurate. Yes, um, it's it's like oh this is up this is up this is up. Uh, increase in no, it's not up. <laughs> increase in net income. Net income hmm, depends on how they define that. Because different companies do define that differently. Yeah. Just saying. I just want to make sure that we're we're clear here because increase uh, yeah, net so. income to twenty twenty two is good news. I mean, I'm not saying this is all bad. Any of this is bad news. I just want to make sure that we are looking at these numbers and looking at these statements accurately um, because when they say you know uh, year over year increase in revenue, okay, but that does not mean profit, um, and it's the, uh, the the total revenue is up. Okay, still does not mean profit. Net income does, or, so, or suggests it. Yes, so so that's a very excellent point. I will say, uh, in this report, they are synonymous basically with profit because net income, in this case, because it's a public company reporting it, 
Uh, it represents the final measure of profitability for a company. It's referred to as net profit or as net income as it represents the net amount of profit remaining after all expenses and costs are subtracted from revenue. Okay, so, so that would be the, the differentiator. So it could also mean that they are, um, because they're having staffing, their, their staffing is, to use their words, That's exactly it. That is exactly it. Since their staffing is suboptimal, um, what this means is they're out they're paying less people which is where they're seeing their net income or their profit this is what so i want to make sure we that understand is exactly <laughs> what i was thinking that when i was reading this i was like i was like okay 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 it sounds all good right so basically they made 15 percent more than 2021 like that's 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 essentially what what the despite having fewer guests they made that and i was like wait but is it because, I mean, a bunch of, they, they mentioned blah, 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 like increasing, you know, the increasing spend per guest and X, Y, Z, lot, a lot of, but I was like, wait, couldn't that also be because they still don't have enough staff and they like so many things are not running the way they're supposed to, as we have been reporting this whole time. I mean, I don't know, I didn't dig exactly into that analysis. I didn't do that type of analysis about looking at the at how much that covers, but that's kind of what I thought as I was reading it. Yeah, it's, I, I, and I'm not, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that things are bad at SeaWorld. Uh, things are definitely on the, on the upswing. They're definitely on the, uh, they're ba basically moving towards improvement. I just want to make sure that when we do these numbers, that we all understand what this actually means. Um, and, and I'm, as everybody who knows me knows, I am, I got into, I got into live theater and performance because I was told there wouldn't be any math. So I am not an expert when it comes to this stuff, but I do understand theoretically how it works. And I want to make sure that when we say things like, you know, they always love to lead with, um, there's a, a, an increase in revenue or there's, you know, um, an increase in, in, ca in park spending or per capita spending. They love to, they love to lead with those things because they sound really, really good. Um, but I still, I, I, it still means that there are, we're not out of the woods yet, is I guess, is I guess my only caveat that I want to make sure we're all talking about here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's, that's basically, I got stuck trying to find the actual numbers so I could do this, but I'll have to do that later. And that's okay. But they're still saying, they're still saying that attendance is down, you know, which we know. They're still saying that yeah, staffing yeah. is suboptimal. Um, what I was what I was looking for is how much I guess I'm not gonna be able to find it right now while we're doing this, but maybe somebody, one of our listeners could tell us. But basically what I would be interested in knowing is when you look at 2019, what were they paying for staff costs at that time? And how much are they how much did they pay for staff costs in twenty twenty two? And so we could look at comparatively speaking, like what percentage of that fifteen percent profit increase was due to less staff payments that that's I'd be interested in in knowing those type of numbers like I'd, I'd be interested in knowing precisely where like is it because the they said it was a seven percent you know roughly seven percent per guest spending except so is that where that extra came from or you know is it just these two things is it a combination of there were less people yes but the people spent more and then they had less staffing and so that equaled I mean is that is that it is that it because 
Maybe that's it. I don't know. You, well, and usually, yes, that is, that is, you know, you have to take all those things into, into account. I, and, and again, once again, I want to reinforce, I am not saying that this is necessarily bad news. I'm not saying that they are trying to, um, they're trying to uh, pull something over on us in this report. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I am saying is I just want to make sure that those who are listening and looking at these kinds of numbers recognize that, um, that it, when, they, when we say there's an increase in revenue, that does not necessarily mean an increase in profit. In this particular case, it does, but it also means that they've reduced spending significantly somewhere because it's, yeah, you, you have to look at all the, yeah. all the factors involved. That's all I'm saying. The, yes, the, the specific term we're looking at here is net income in a, in a company that has stocks like this. Like net income would be synonymous with profit versus gross revenue or revenue in general mm -hmm. is what Scott's talking about. So like the, that's the, the difference kind of mm -hmm. in the terms, but uh, yeah, I, well, the other thing I thought was interesting besides all that, I was like, Oh, this seems on its surface. It seems like a pretty cut and dry thing. Like, you know, but, but I am curious to see how it's going to go because I guess just to put this in perspective um, it's, this is good but it's not nearly as good as as Disney Universal, right? And the staffing thing, I think, could we'll see. But I, I feel like this that kind of those those things are going to continue to be a problem because again, we we talked about the pendulum. This always a pendulum, right? Mm -hmm. As as people finish with their with their revenge travel and kind of get back, to, and we're getting back to 2019, you know, kind of ideas. You know, that means more competition. So that would be the concern here is if their staffing continues to lag, if their experience in the park continues to lag, and if the prices are higher, whatever, that's not going to be sustainable, right? It's, it's all about the competitive environment that you're in. That, that would be my, my only thing. The only, and the only other thing I thought was interesting is that they make a point of noting that the international visitors have not yet fully returned. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't aware, though, that international business made up that much of their revenue. So, is that and the thing is, I don't, I really, Scott, I don't know. I really, and I really don't know. I really honestly don't know. I mean, just in, in full disclosure and full transparency, I do not work with, uh, I am not an employee of SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment. Um, I was for a long time, but it's been over nine years since I've been un unaffiliated um, or un unemployed by the park. Um, so I really don't know. I do know that in the, uh, and I'm sure you can find this in, in public record. Um, I do know that in the, uh, early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousands, um, there was quite a bit, um, especially in the Florida parks, um, that came from South America. So, um, I do know that there was a time where the international visitors played a, a huge factor, um, that changed more of from the economy in in South America than in the economy in the U.S. And then, of course, COVID was COVID. So, uh, <clears throat> but I, yeah, I really don't know whether whether yeah. that's a whether that was a huge factor or not. The other thing they made a point of pointing out, which if, as to Scott's point, you know, <laughs> they're trying to uh, they're always trying to point your, your your attention towards the good things but uh, of course they 
kind of finished the 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 presentation by talking about Cyril Dabu Dhabi and their great expectation for that opening and that kind of thing. And I'm not sure if the two are related or they're like international travelers, you know, and then and that type of thing or or I I'm not sure how much they expect from from a park that doesn't have an opening date yet. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I I don't know. I mean I, I don't think we can really, all that aside, all of that kind of stuff aside, I, I'm not sure that we can really, um, it's positive. There, you know, there, we're, we're trying to find the negative in it, but overall, it you know, it's positive. And we're just like kind of like drawing attention to the standard. And again, I want to clarify, I'm not trying to find the negative. I just want to make sure that we look at it with a sense of reality. I am thrilled. I just always look at I the know, negative. But I'm thrilled that, I'm thrilled that, that, that SEA is, you know, is touting a 15.1% increase in net income, AKA profit. I just want to make sure that we're looking at why that is, why that's happening. Yes. Because again, that's, that's our responsibility yes. as this show is to look at trends, not just numbers. So, you know, I, I as we've seen, staffing is down, uh, attendance is down, international travel is down, um, in-park spending is up, which is great. Now that could mean that, you know, it could mean anything from, uh, they've raised the prices on all the drinks to uh, more people because because there are smaller crowds, more people are buying food because they don't have to wait in line. I mean, there's a lot of different factors yeah. here. That's that's all I'm saying. I I, I know that yeah. you know the 1.5 percent increase in net income is very exciting to stockholders, um, and that's that's great, and that's really who this report is for anyway. So uh, yeah. it, it, it's. It's good news. It is good news. But I think we just it is the responsibility of, of our show and our our approach to this to make certain that everybody who's listening has a deeper understanding, certainly even a deeper understanding than I do. But but more so than just looking at it on the surface. That's all. Yeah, that good segue. Let's move on to uh, Six Flags. Uh, I'm going to say right now. Basically, everything we just said, I think, applies to Six Flags. <laughs> right. Um, so moving they, on. They're very no. similar. Yeah, they're they're very similar. And uh, I'm going to read the excerpts I thought were interesting. Um, these excerpts are from the investor the, the, the investor page on, on the way. It's from the actual uh, disclosure that was released, right? So... So it's it's not a summary. I'm just I'm, I I chose pieces and put them into this. So, but they are all from that. So I'm kind of like gonna read the thought, pieces I thought were the most interesting, uh, just to get that out there. So for 2022, Six Flags reported revenue of 1.35 billion, net income of 109 million, and adjusted EBITDA of 465 million. Total revenue for fourth quarter decreased 37 million or 12% compared to fourth quarter 2021, driven by lower attendance. The decrease in attendance was driven by an increase in ticket sales, ticket prices, sorry, increased ticket prices, elimination of free tickets and discounts, and fewer operating days. Okay. The company did not open six parks in the fourth quarter of 2022 that were open for holiday in the park in fourth quarter of 2021, which accounted for 279,000 additional guests in fourth quarter of 2021. Thanks. The company offset the decrease in revenue in the fourth quarter with lower cash operating costs, full-time headcount reductions, fewer total employees hours worked, and lower advertising. These efficiency measures were partially offset by higher wage 
rates, which we also <laughs> talked about way back, way back. Increases in repair and maintenance, which we also talked about because all their their rides were like kind of getting disjointed. Utilities and other costs due to inflation, which also talked about that. The company had a net income of 13 million in fourth quarter 2022 compared to a net loss of 2 million in 2021. And then the, the most interesting quote they had in here was, um, in the fourth quarter, we launched three new events and amplified our largest event of the year, Fright Fest, which drove improved attendance trends and guest satisfaction. Didn't we just talk about that with the uh, screen break last episode? So I I chose all those. I find it extraordinarily interesting that they, that they this is kind of what I <laughs> wish the SeaWorld one had said, but they kind of... Um, Touch on every one of those. So, so just again to summarize to make sure that we're all clear as Scott's point here, um, same kind of trends. They actually brought in less overall revenue in fourth quarter, but they had more profit. So they brought in much less revenue, but their profit was 13 million compared to a loss of 2 million in the same quarter from 2021, 2022. So this is really truly one of those cases of like, they had way less people attend, they had to they close certain parks and you know they increased the price of the tickets, they did all this stuff that decreased the overall revenue, but they were able to, to make, you know, bring in more per guest basically and, and lead to higher profitability. And then, I think the calling out of Fright Fest. And then if you look at our last episode last week where we talked about, could this be them beta testing a second gate, a hard ticket event? And he, and he just, I, I mean, I can't underscore how, how uh, you know, <laughs> when they make statements like this to call out a specific event and then say, this was our best event. We're really gonna push forward on this. And then you look at the screen break I, I really do think this is them saying we're going to try to transition Fright Fest into a hard ticket, depending on how this test does in, for screen break, because all that would do is just keep in line with all of these. You know, it's it's going to definitely decrease the numbers. I'll have less people there and all that, but it should increase the profitability. And my only, again, my little asterisk in all of this is um, park quality. How is the quality of the experience? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. <laughs> Well, I, I am thrilled to see that, uh, you know, they, they do mention um, the, the maintenance uh, on the attractions here. I think that's I think that is good. Yep. Um, and again, I don't think I don't think it comes as any great shock to anybody who knows the industry that over the last few years, Six Flags has been has been dinged a couple of times by their by their maintenance by their cleanliness um the, the, and the way it impacts the guest experience um again not picking on six flags uh, i actually there are many flags parks i really love a lot and love going to um but but they've been you know and, and it sounds like they're they're reacting to it it sounds like it's like okay we got to go in and, and fix this stuff um again prepping for the future what i find curious about the uh the fright fest inclusion and how that impacts the the screen break um you know we we noted uh and i don't i don't know if we talked about it on the show or just after the show we noticed or noted that there was very little i think we talked about it on the show we noted that there was very little um actual hard-baked marketing when they did the announcement um for and especially in california so i'm wondering if let's look at a timeline here i'm wondering if this when they were about to make this announcement 
that that Fright Fest drove um, improved attendance trends. I'm wondering if there's if there wasn't a bunch of people sitting around a boardroom table going, "Hey, you know, we're just about to say that this event makes a lot of money. Can we do this any other time?" Uh, and and it was one of those. Uh, we, we let's do this another time. So it wasn't even a can we? It was a we're going to do it. Um, I don't know that to be true at all. I am I do not sit on the board for for Six Flags, so I have absolutely zero idea as to whether that happened or not. But it could. Uh, I'm going to throw that speculation out there. And if it did, kudos to them because I think that's great that they are that they are leaning into their profitability. Uh, events you know it used to be considered for many many years back in my day in the theme park it was considered the only way you could actually drive gate um was by building a new uh ride or roller coaster and um festivals and events were considered very much lower on the burner um we have seen that pendulum swing back significantly and i think they're starting to recognize that um it's also things that we've talked about in previous episodes culture is changing uh, we are much more of a things to do versus things to see culture, uh, especially with the the, the younger generations. Um, so creating festivals, whether that's a concert series or a Halloween event or a, a Christmas event or a food festival or whatever, those kinds of things are becoming significantly more popular with the demographic that is coming into parks and certainly the demographic that they want to um, bring into parks to con- to continue the the generational legacy after legacy after legacy. So um, I, I, I find it very interesting that it is being called out specifically that a seasonal festival, um, and especially when they just announced they're going to try in a different season, is is responsible for their their increased profitability. Yeah, putting their money where their mouth yeah, is. I like it. I I agree with that. Um, I. I thought it was also interesting that they they just straight up said, you know, like lower cash operating costs driven by full-time headcount reductions, fewer total employees, hours worked, and lower advertising costs, which again, I just said that. I just was like, this thing looks like it was thrown together. There's not even a, they don't even know what they're doing in media night. It was all this kind of stuff. It's like, well, lower advertising costs, right? And reduction in staff. I just, again, just like we just, just talked about, um, you know, you can't, run Fright Fest on a skeleton crew, right? So if, I think some of these are going to be, no pun intended, right? Some of these are going to be a little bit um, at odds, potentially might be a problem for them. But I overall, I agree with your point. To me, it's like, it seems like they are really honing in on the particular rides and the particular events that work for their particular audience. I think that's important because they're not saying like that we're going to, they're kind of mentioning holiday in the park, but also that they that they cut that, but they're mentioning Fright Fest. And who is Fright Fest popular with? It's popular with the tweens and teens that go to the park. That's really what it is. And they particular rides, they're still they still plan on launching stuff, but they're launching these big coasters. Like they're launching stuff for teens and tweens. And when we look at the ride maintenance, like they, they say they're putting money for ride maintenance, but they still haven't fixed at Six Flags Magic Mountain, they haven't fixed the Justice League Battle for Metropolis 3D. Do you remember when we talked about that what, so long ago, where we talked about how they didn't want to pay the maintenance costs to realign the projector for the 3D, so they just took the 3D out? I was just there. Haven't fixed it. The animatronic in the lobby? 
haven't fixed it. The lights in the queue line, haven't fixed them. The 3D, haven't fixed it. They literally just gave up <laughs> on, on like fixing that dark ride. And I actually, reading all of this, I'm like, maybe that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Maybe they've decided like, it's not, that's not what we're about. We are like a tween and teen park and we're gonna make focus on the big parties basically that the teens can go to which is what fright fest is and what holiday in the park is like you know families and hang out and big party events and then we're going to do focus on these thrill rides that they enjoy i'm i'm not sure how that's going to play with also increasing the ticket price because like we said last time the biggest complaints i saw from that i continue to see on my trending 400,000 now viewed tiktok is complain about the price and, and all that on it. So I'm not sure. I mean, maybe the teens are able, maybe they found that uh, they found that the, t the teens want to go, they're able to get the money from their parents or figure out a way or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Or, or maybe it's very simply, maybe it's very simply a way to um, bring in, <clears throat> to, to help self-regulate the crowd size. Because there has been. Yes, that's another thing too. You know, it's it's quite possible that that was a, a strategic. The thing, I, the thing, I, when you look at these two reports, and again, I'm only seeing what you have cho chosen to, to share with us, Philip. But in looking at these two reports, do your own research. Scott. I know, <laughs> I know. Why you do it all for me anyway? Uh, no, the uh, in looking at this, what I'm seeing though is one is a significantly when you kind of compare the two reports and approaches, one is significantly more surgical. Six Flags is looking at it in a very um, very precise way. And they're making some cuts that there were times in the theme park industry that would be terrifying and things that you would never, ever want to do. You know, when you say, when you say publicly, um, the, uh, the, the, the decrease, uh, decrease in attendance was driven by an increase in ticket prices. That was something that you would never, you know, even 15 years ago, you would never say in the industry, you would never, ever admit that your prices went up and it, it caused your attendance to go down. Um, it, this seems significantly more transparent, significantly more surgical in the fact that they are saying, you know, fewer operating days, which was intentional. Uh, they did not open some of their parks in the fourth quarter of 22, which was intentional. Um, they're, they're making hard decisions. Now, it's quite possible that we're in a situation where you're forced to make these hard decisions, but I actually quite like the, the fact that they are bringing them to the surface and they are putting them in this report. I agree. I agree. It makes me feel like they are differentiating themselves, right? Yeah. They're, they're not, cause you know, I, I feel like we, we had this old model. God, I feel like, I'm, I feel like we're all so much older now after COVID and it's like back, back in the day, you know, the peak tourism day before COVID back the old world, uh, you know, you kind of had all these kind of knew what a theme park was like it was open every day and it had dark rides and I mean how all these things but I, I like this approach of being like this is how we are different we're not open every day you know we're we we run these coasters and we we're gonna do Halloween and spring break dang it and you're gonna like it and we're, and we're gonna I mean this is you know we're gonna kind of differentiate ourselves from the other parks and get away from this notion that we have to do all these things that the other other places I just feel like we got a little bit into the mentality of like a self-reinforcing cycle. Like th this is this this is what it's supposed to look like, and maybe it's not supposed to look like that. Well, and and you know to talk about to just come back to something that we talk about all the time, which is that the pendulum swinging back and forth. 
if you go back even further in time, this was normal. This was normal where you would have, you know, less attended times of the year where parks were only open three days a week, you know, or so it's, it's, it's not, there are, there's certain people are going to look at the, well, this is unprecedented. Well, no, it's, it's not, it was some, it was the way it used to be. And then the, the model was such that it could shift to being open all the time, all the time. And now it's shifted back to not so much. So we'll see, you know, we'll see how the pendulum keeps going back and forth. It's, uh, it's, I just, I just enjoy the fact that they are so forthcoming with why things are happening. I mean, basically they're saying when you, when you say things like reduced, what was it? Reduced full-time headcount. Yep. <laughs> they fired a bunch of people. That means people were fired. I mean, let's, let's just put that, let's just put that yeah. in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and, and again, and higher up people were, were fired basically yeah. like these they, are they, salaried they people, their, their full-time year round staff. Yeah. Trust me. I understand yeah. that. So yeah. it's, and that's, and there's nothing wrong with that. If it is in the best interest of yeah. the company, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the last story I want to squeeze in here in the, like the last <laughs> few minutes that we have left, um, is just totally, this thing just totally came out of left field. So I just want to bring it up because it is, um, exactly what we've been talking about. So it's called Springtopia, and it is a new event that was announced for the Los Angeles area. It's going to be coming in at the end of March, March 29th through April 16th. And basically, think of it like a mix of a carnival, but they're going to break up the carnival area into seven themed lands. (laughs) So it kind of sounds like a pop-up miniature theme park where the rides are the carnival stuff. And they have all these different concepts of the themed lands, like there's light show land, fun land, puppy land, holiday land, pirate land, and the one that drew my attention, they have spooky land. And spooky land is going to have two mazes in it. So now in the SoCal region, you're going to be able to go to Scream Break and see two haunted houses, two mazes, and then you're going to be able to go to Spring, go to Springtopia and go to the Spooky Land and find another two mazes uh, between March and April. And then if you get too scared, you can go to Puppy Land and Holiday Land and calm down. <laughs> and take a picture with Santa. And take a picture with Santa. <laughs> in Holiday Land. So this is, I mean, this is so, this is so in line with what we were talking about with Screen Break. I, I, I'm kind of blown away by this. And that this is, this is clearly, hey, what do we have in the warehouse? Let's pull it out and make one big event out of it. And what vendors can we go to 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 who have all this stuff? And uh, let's just we we need something now. How do we do it? Is what this is what this sounds like to me. Again, I don't know, but it's like let's do something. Yeah. People need to get out. We can we can strike while the iron's hot. We can get them as they come out for spring. And what do we have? Well, yep. let's see. We have spooky stuff. We have Santa stuff. We have circus stuff. Hey, let's put in puppies. You know why not? I think that should be. I think that should be a new uh, a new T-shirt for creative development people like me. Hey, let's put in puppies because you know who doesn't love puppies. So uh, yep, I, you're absolutely right. This is a this is a pop up theme park that is coming out of warehouses all over the SoCal area. Yeah, and uh, we we will probably revisit this when more information is out because again, that's the other thing it shares in common with Spring Break. Tickets are not even on sale yet, and it. Opens March 29th, and you cannot buy tickets yet. Wait, 
What did I just see? Didn't I just see? What did I? What was the countdown? There's a countdown on the website. The countdown is until the tickets go on sale. So you can join the wait list and tickets go on sale on the 7th, March 7th. So two and days. And they open March 7th. Two days 29th. from when we're recording. But they haven't even put out a press release yet. Like literally, there's no press release. There's no anything. The, their Instagram has one picture, which is a picture of the map. And tickets aren't on sale yet, but they're opening March 29th. And I'm like, so we'll talk about it probably more when we actually get real details. So. Yeah, and and again, quality. Let's hope. Let's hope for the quality. Let's hope for the quality. We will see. We will see. But again, pop ups are pop ups. We are much more forgiving of it seems as as consumers. Um, that to me, when I'm normally in Florida, this sort of sounds like the uh, something that would pop up at the fairgrounds. So we'll we'll see how this we'll see how this plays out. So anyway, speaking of quality, I hope you continue to enjoy the quality of Green Tech Theme Park at 30 because Philip as we've already discussed does all the hard research and I just come in and chat. So on behalf of Philip Hernandez who does the hard work and myself who just runs my mouth, uh, this is Green Tech Theme Park in 30 and we will see you next week. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Hauntopic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, Haunters, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.